I was convinced, it was so vivid and so real and I felt it viscerally. I felt that my parents were gonna either kill me or do something bad to me. And the feeling lingered for about two days. Wow. And, and until I kind of went to myself like, okay, it was just a dream. But I also, another reason I remember it is because like during the second day of that, I guess, I remember my parents yeah. saying to me like, what what is with you? You're being so nice. <laughs> you're, like, you're being like so well <laughs> behaved and like there. yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Catherine Corcoran, and I'm James A. Janice, and this is Scream Dreams: The Nightmares That Shaped Us. Today, we are joined by an incredible filmmaker, showrunner, writer, producer, director. You run the gamut, Nick Antasca. Thank you so much for coming to the show today. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you here. We were told that you were very excited when you heard about the concept of the show. Why was that? Yes. Um, well, first of all, Barbara Crampton texted me and said there was a podcast. I love Barbara. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to come on. But when she told me what it was about, um, I really like to talk about dreams and nightmares. And it's kind of a... Um, I guess it's a faux pas, you know? It's like you think about like people, like, well, you're not supposed to go around and talk about your dreams. Uh -huh. Like if you're at dinner or something, it's just sort of like, that's boring. Uh, but I grew up in a household where uh, dreams were like a big thing. And my mom, who is like on paper, really just like normal person. She's a school teacher. Mm -hmm. She's just very she would tell me her dreams all the time and there would be like crazy dreams and i think really intense dreams run in my family because it's always been a thing that shaped what i wanted to write about mm -hmm. and what i was interested in so i like to talk about dreams and uh there's an opportunity to do so is exciting. Do you have nightmares? We we talk about this on the show because James doesn't dream. I exclusively have nightmares. <laughs> where I don't have positive dreams. Where where do you fall in this spectrum? Sorry, wait. You don't dream. I I think I'm pretty sure everyone dreams. It's just a matter of remembering them or not. So apparently, oh. my mind every morning just does a little scrub and is like, no, you don't need that. You don't need to remember that. I I do remember some dreams. I've talked okay. about them before. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot, a lot of like uh, chasing dreams where I'm, I'm running and fleeing from someone and I can't hide, but I'm trying to. So uh, I, I get that sometimes. But most mornings I will wake up and be like, oh, no, it's gone. It does sound to me like you dream. You dream. And then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you have... He's going to diagnose you a dreamer. Oh, please do. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, yeah. What could that possibly mean? You're constantly being chased in your dreams. There's something going on there. Yeah. Um, but... Uh... Uh, what was the question? Where do, where do I fall? Yeah. Uh, I I dream a lot, and um, I it's probably fifty fifty between what you would call good dreams and bad dreams. But I vastly prefer nightmares because always since I was a little kid, because for, for two reasons: one, that feeling that you get from a nightmare and a, like an adrenalized, intense. Thing. I mean, people pay good money for that. That's an exciting experience. Hmm. And yeah. um, and then there's the moment when you wake up in the morning and you go like, oh my God, I, I, I'm i okay. That, that didn't happen. Yeah. You know? yeah. Of course, there are nightmares where you dream about something bad that's going on in your life and you wake up and you're like, oh shit, that that's real. Mm -hmm. I, have to, yeah. Yeah, I was just dreaming about that. Now I have to go back to it. Um, but that's kind of rare. I think for me at least, 
more the case that I have like wild, intense nightmares that, you know, give me the feeling that the best horror movies give me. Um, or I, I guess I should say that horror movies give me the feeling of the best nightmares. Yeah. Um, and then I wake up and, you know, my heart is pounding or I'm like grabbing for a pen to write that down. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a really exciting feeling that I try and like that I'm that I'm that I'm looking forward to that I, I hope for when I go to sleep. Um, and uh, on the other hand, when when I have good dreams, which in my case tend to like I, there's all kinds, but they tend to be like I'm walk, I'm like finding money or treasure or something like I'll, I'll be like yeah. in a swimming pool and finding things on the bottom. And it's like, uh, you know, like bizarre treasures or something. And then I wake up and it's like, oh, that that wasn't real, you know, uh -huh. or it's like a, whatever. Any so any great thing that happens in your dream, you wake up and like, oh, that that didn't happen. It's disappointing. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I hate yeah. that feeling. That's it's that's so worst. interesting. I've never heard uh, it, that totally makes sense to me, though, because ultimately you're you're living in the reality that you wake up to. So I can understand wanting to have the bad experience be the fake thing as opposed to like having a great, wonderful dream. And then you wake up and like, oh, none of that was real. Yeah. That's, that's such a letdown. There's a specific to um, a specific thing that goes with being a creative person or a writer where if you just have a dream where really good things are happening, you wake up, it's sort of unusable. Like mm -hmm. there's, I mean, maybe you could pull some things out of it and use it in a story. But um, if you have a nightmare that's really intense or really, then you wake up and that's free money. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's great stuff. Yeah. Like it, it, it's, it's, even if it's just the feeling that you're like trying to capture, yeah. even if it's not the specifics from the dream. Um, although there is like, there's fool's gold too, where it's like you wake up and and your subconscious created some scenario that had the effect of like a really strong, intense emotion yeah. from it. And you wake up and you start to write it down because you're like, oh, wow, that, you know, I'm going to do a scenario like that when you write it down. And it's like, actually, that's really mundane. And somehow like my my subconscious cheated. It attached yeah. the feeling to something that wasn't you know yeah it gets lost in translation when it becomes like prose as opposed to the actual i don't know hormones and biological things going on during the dream yeah i mean i guess it's just like you know if if you had the power as a filmmaker or a, a writer to just like create a feeling from an audience without actually creating a story structure that supports that feeling mm -hmm you would do it, but you can't do it, but your subconscious can do it for you. Does that make sense? No, yeah. it, it makes total sense. I love, and I love that you're like empowered by your nightmares. Like for me, for years, they were this like crippling thing that, cause that's all I had. And I would wake up covered in like sweat and like my heart racing it was like awful and gross. And that was one of the uh, exercises that I was told to do was to like write them down. Because once you can understand what's happening in like an analytical way, you can you can kind of hijack it into like if you it, it becomes less powerful basically you become the the one who controls it and for you it sounds like it inspires you to create other creatures and events and experiences i, I love it i love the positive nightmare ride yeah totally do you still write them down i do not as much um but i i do and it did help i i think 
a lot of times I, I tend to wake up in like still like a panicked state regardless um, of whether or not I had a nightmare. I think I'm just a very type A anxious human being. But yeah, I think that's – I've never thought to creatively take the things I've, I've dreamt about and put them into like my own writing or my own creative work. But you do. Um, specifically, we've talked about a few times before you even came in was the tooth child because that was everywhere. And I know you've probably talked about it um, at Infidum, but I I don't think there has been a, a creature that I saw in the past few years where I saw it everywhere on subway ads. I was living in New York at the time or on billboards. And I was actually, it felt like a visceral fear straight and from my disgust. own. Yeah, yeah. It's awful. I, yeah. I like where it. I it's didn't great. want to look at it, uh -huh. like in my living, waking life. How, <laughs> what was the, do, would you mind telling us what the dream was that inspired that? I don't really remember the specific dream. You know, it, I don't know if I even remembered the dream at the time. Uh -huh. It's the, the image. I mean, I, I I don't, I don't know if it was even a dream where this thing was something terrifying. Like I was scared of it in the dream. Like I might have been fascinated by it or a little uh -huh. disgusted by it. But it, it was like it was a, a person covered entirely covered in teeth, and um, that's what I mean by free money. You know, I <laughs> yeah. woke up and I was like, I need to write this down and sketch it out. And then it stayed with me for a while. I tried to pitch it on. The show I was on the staff of at the time, I've mm -hmm. talked about this in other interviews, and it would sound like it was going to be in the show for a minute, and then as things do, and you know, the development process it yeah. fell out, and I was bummed. And then when I got my own show a year or two later, I was like, this feels like a thing that, I, I mean, it stayed with me, and it felt like it worked thematically with what we were doing with, um, with that particular show, which was based on... Chris Straub's uh, creepypasta, Candle right. Cove, and it wasn't in that, but but Straub, Chris had created this kind of like child's nightmare fantasy thing, and this image of a child covered in baby teeth felt like it fit in uh -huh. in there, like in, with the logic of a of a dream. Um, so, yeah, that's the most notable example in my career, I think, of things that have kind of bubbled up from the subconscious and ended up on a billboard because right because it was because shutter had it as their like on their their yeah, thing their and it was screen. going yeah. up and people would send me pictures I was like damn that's mm -hmm. cool that was um, my first exposure to it was yeah, shutter, yeah and that was um credit where credit is due um that was uh francois dagan built that uh that suit and mm -hmm. and when i saw the maquette i was like oh my god that is it was what you like saw? what I dreamed. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that was really cool. How wild. He does great um, work. Yeah, yeah. That he had done Hannibal too, and um, oh, he, he works on Spiral. Chucky, and yeah. yeah, he does tons and tons mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, it was kind of an amazing thing. It's an amazing feeling. The first time that I had a show, and we were doing stuff like that. I mean, that was the first example. But then in other uh, seasons of the show, um, No End House and Dream Door, just these things that either came from dreams or captured the feeling that I had in a dream and, and then to see them made real by other artists and with this collaborative process and then come on screen was like, 
that is probably the most uh, that was I hesitate to say most, but that was like a deeply kind of exciting and rewarding thing. I was like, wow, like this yeah. stuff just came up from somewhere and now it's it's evolved and become this thing that's actually on a screen. Like yeah. it's a it's a very um it's a it's an uncanny feeling. Well now that you're saying that too, like you had the fact that you feel kind of empowered and take some sort of ownership of your nightmares is so interesting because particularly in Dream Door, I noticed it in the Pretzel Jack character who is definitely a creature of nightmares and is terrifying. But then there's this moment with your female protagonist where like she's almost like comforted by him. And it's this really interesting, like it's this beautiful like cinematic for those who haven't seen it, it's this beautiful kind of cinematic pan around them mm. where you see them just kind of like at one with each other and it, it 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 gives such an agency that like the demons and the and the monsters that we battle with are only have the power that we give them you totally. know and i feel like it's the same with your nightmares it only has the power that you allow it to have over you totally totally and that i mean that sort of ties in with the story of um multiple seasons of of that show mm -hmm. you know the kind of harnessing your demons and harnessing the stuff that that um, comes up from within your past or your subconscious. It's interesting because that season, Dream Door, is really it's a it's a counterexample. That's a um, a story where, in creating it, I was trying, and all the writers' room was trying to capture the feeling of a dream as opposed to taking what was in a dream and putting it on the screen. If that makes sense, yeah. like I mean, there's uh, there's nothing I can point to in that season that came from a dream that I or anyone had. But with that season and and with um I think No End House, we we were more trying to consciously recreate the feeling of a dream. Whereas in uh, Candle Cove, there were there were key parts of the story that came literally from a dream. And then in Butcher's Block too, there was one aspect of it that came explicitly from a dream which is i had a dream where um there was a the character of smart mouth who's the little kid with the um uh he's wearing like a red coat and a yeah. hoodie and and there's you know at first you see a normal little kid who's wearing that and then i guess she she gets taken and then this scary monstrous kid is wearing the thing um that came from a dream too i was imagining this like little kid running around in, like a dinosaur costume mm -hmm. And then the hood came back and it was like a monster. And um, and I couldn't remember what else was around it in the dream, but that was right before I was writing the pilot of the, or the first episode of that season. And um, yeah. Do you still write down your dreams every day or is it just when you have them or when there's something worth writing down? I don't write down my dreams every day, um, but I do most days. Do you keep like a notebook and pen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so not on like a notes app on the phone. It's actually no, I've tried to writing. do that, but I, I do. It is like a physical writing thing. It's like morning journaling. Yeah, and um, I, yeah, I have a a like a moleskin notebook beside the bed that I I write in like a page or two most mornings, and it's like exercise mm -hmm. in a sense, like you know if if i remember to in the morning i'll like actually exercise and i feel better during the day mm -hmm. and also if i if i wake up and i write 
down the dreams and I, I write for you know a page or two, then I'll think better during the day. Like I won't be as distracted, I'll be more focused. Um, and the practice of like uncovering what the dream was in the morning, because you were sort of referring to this before, like you wake up and you remember, maybe you remember your dreams, maybe you don't, or maybe maybe you wake up and you're like, I don't, I know I had dreams last night, but I don't remember. And then you just remember one image. And then because you remember the image, you remember the context around the image. And it's like a, a Polaroid starting to come into yeah. focus and it kind of spreads out from that central image. And then you remember the context of, you know, oh, and then I went from there to this other thing. And then because of that, you remember this like other dream you had. Because I, I rarely have one dream in a night. It's like a double or triple feature. Mm -hmm. Do you, know? you and wake maybe... up in between them? I'm sorry. No, no. Oh. Uh, well, I might, okay. but, but generally no. You know, okay. it's like, it'll be like three different separate scenarios, like an anthology film or something. And maybe they're connected. Like, oh, I went from this one place to another place. Like, uh -huh. like when I woke up this morning, I was like, I don't remember what I dreamed. I know I had dreams. And I was like, oh, wait, no, I remember there was there was a Rubik's Cube. And then I was like, what was I doing? Oh, it was a Rubik's Cube, but I was trying to do it in reverse. It was It started out solved and I was trying to make it unsolvable in the dream. You know, okay. I was trying to, switch it around it's like why was i doing that and then i remembered that there was this whole other scenario i'm not going to get into it and like just try and <laughs> describe this thing that would be totally meaningless to other people but but then no, i remember the context around that and why i was there was all these things that had nothing to do with the rubik's cube and like so you know past relationships and working relation and like all this stuff comes into it and f piecing those clues together in just in the morning and like writing it down and and saying like here was this weird little detail in the dream you know um why did i dream that oh it's because of this thing that happened like three days ago you mm -hmm. know and yeah. and it just i didn't think anything of it at the time but now it's appeared in my dream it makes me way more aware of like how my subconscious is working and it makes me more it's almost like meditating it makes me more aware of of what my brain is doing yeah and like um, things that are bothering you that maybe you didn't realize they were bothering you and, and concerns that you have it, it helps you tease them out totally totally yeah. i think it makes you more like mentally proactive mm -hmm. you know if, if you don't do that or if me if i don't do that um or if i don't meditate or whatever then i'm being super reactive throughout the day i'm thinking about like how i'm going to respond to this email or this text or like oh i have to do this or that it's like it's like fully reactive and if i do these things then my brain is kind of doing its it's it's sort of driving the bus you yeah. know throughout is the that day. like part of your creative process like you you your your routine in in your day if you will you wake you have you wake up from your dreams you write the dream down and then you do like a medit a meditation practice for you do you sit with the dream or do you just sit with yourself or no it it, it depends because i can't have the same routine for too long uh -huh. or it, it gets like stagnant yeah mm -hmm. and it's been the i've been since 2000 since the end of 2015 until the beginning of this year i've been in writer's room prep production or post sometimes all four at once on at least one show and sometimes multiple shows so i've never been able to have a normal uh <laughs> any kind of consistent routine yeah. yeah which is you know i've, I've 
major problems with distraction. Like, yeah. like I sometimes think of like life as like a war against distraction, but that becomes like that. those problems with distraction yeah. become uh, a feature, not a bug when you're constantly doing all these things that, you know, if you're trying to do multiple seasons at the same time at different stages or multiple shows. Right. But then this happened at the both at the beginning of covid and it happened earlier this year where it's like oh i'm i'm now home for a little while and my mind is like going nuts it's like totally. it's like water bug like all over the place and i need then which is okay when you're sort of in the fog of war production but then when you're home it's like okay i have to like be able to go deeper mm-hmm. and so um so I, I'll do the, you know, I'll sort of create a routine that works for a couple months and I'll have to switch it up a little bit. So just as an example, like I might, I'll wake up and, you know, write my dream down for, and that takes 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. And then I'll go like take a walk and have my phone off all this time because that, if I do that, the day is screwed. Right. Um, and then... I'll come back to my office and I'll meditate maybe mm-hmm. for like 10 or 20 minutes and then I'll write for like two or three hours. And by write, I it, I might mean just sit and think about writing yeah. or I might mean like write by hand in my notebook or I might be like actually writing pages of a script. But one of those things, I have to do that for like two or three hours in the morning. And then if I've gotten up early enough, it's like 11 o'clock and then my work is done for the day. Then, then anything can happen. Like then, then I'll do all the meat. And I don't literally mean my work is done, but yeah. I mean like the the, the writing, the, the creative, important yeah. work, yeah, is done. Yeah, and the I've done. Stuff. Yeah, and yeah. then and then I will go do meetings, zooms, errands, like whatever. But and but I but at that point I can feel like I've done some creative like. Uh, nourishing stuff for the day so i love that you lead with that like and i love that you lead without your phone because your your brain stays in that i i want to say it's a theta state is that correct where when you're dreaming that's that's you're at this like high functioning um active state in your brain and in but the second you start scrolling through your phone dopamine starts firing so it uh it takes you out uh, I believe it's the theta state. I will have to fact check this, but it takes you out of that state of being. Um, and so everything go- from the time you look at your phone going forward, everything shifts in your ability to tap into your creative self. So it's just so fascinating. And no wonder you're able to kind of work at this level with multiple projects because you're tapping into that from the second you wake up. I mean, that's totally right. What you said about, you know, the, the brain chemistry shifts, whatever. Yeah. I don't know what the waves are. Yeah. I, I've read that stuff too, but I can't <laughs> remember either. Um, once you get in the river, it's hard to dry off. Like, I mean, yeah. you, you, you can, you know, look at your phone then put it down, but I mean, you're still wet. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then, um, if I get distracted by something like that in the morning, like, oh, there's, you know, an email from last night that I probably need to like see if there's a response, whatever. Yeah. Then I I probably will I'll try and like reset my brain and like get back into that sort of dreaming space a little bit. It doesn't really work that well. You know, I, I'll do 
I'll try and meditate again. I'll take a walk. I'll take a shower. I'll do something to kind of like go in, try yeah. and go back, or I'll journal again for like another page. Um, but that's the the dream stuff, and the more that that's it's like that writing and then going back into that dream space is like just keeps my brain on that track. Yeah. Um, I- and with access to those creatures or images or feelings or whatever that are going to be useful i think 100 percent. i find it interesting that i think a lot of people assume that the best way for them to be productive is to just multitask all the time and they're like doing emails on their phone and while they're working out and you know on that walk they might be doing work stuff on their phone and it's interesting to me that you're so prolific like you said for eight years you were constantly in the state of creation at one stage or another with various projects. And it sounds like you've taken the opposite approach of like really disconnecting from that. Every minute has to be filled by something. Uh, And it it seems like it it works out much better for you to just kind of, I don't know, live internally almost. Yeah. I mean, I think multitasking is the worst. It's Mm -hmm. the devil. Um, (laughs) But it's hard not to do that, especially in an industry where, you most of your projects are going to be like dead babies right like it's the town is littered with them and it takes so long just for a deal to get done or like a meeting to get set or whatever so you kind of just for like self-preservation have to have four things going at once yeah and and you have to have a lot of things but then especially if you're prone to distraction and Mm -hmm. it's not easy for you to switch between things i think you have to um find strategies to cycle and to reset because it takes your brain, you know, even even just like switching topics, context shifts is like 10 or 15 minutes to really shift over. And then every time you distract yourself, you're 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 you've lost the context and the the any sort of state of depth that you got into. Like you, yeah. you there's no way to get into a flow state if you're like just checking, scrolling, and you got like the infinite yeah. scroll yeah. Mm-hmm. on these things where it's just like, oh, you keep you keep going. There's no end to the page. It's just, it, you're just incentivized. It, it kind of reminds me of, I, I was briefly into like stargazing and astronomy. And one of the things I learned was like, when you're going out and, and looking at the stars, you have to give your eyes uh, like 15 minutes to adjust in total darkness. And the second that you see a light or something that resets. And so once that happens, you're not seeing the the deeper stars in the sky and you're just seeing so i feel like it's almost analogous of like you you really like have to let yourself steep in that to to see deeper to get deeper into your thoughts and and creativity yeah i mean hypervigilance is a really 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 bad thing like hypervigilance and by hypervigilance i mean the state of constantly feeling like you have to check your phone yeah or constantly feeling like there's going to be some kind of social consequence for you not being available. Like you just have to be constantly updated. Um, I read a book in 2017, maybe that really helped me with this stuff, which is not for writers. I think it's for like programmers or just information workers uh, called Deep Work, which changed the way I thought about work and about multitasking and made me realized that I needed to just like find ways to turn off distraction and and um, go inward 
and find uh, some of the stuff that I had been able to, that I had sort of automatically accessed as a kid mm-hmm. um, and get into that kind of like flow state and, and, and think thoughts that were sort of, interesting to me i mean i think if you're if you're if you're always plugged in if you're always tuned in you're just like thinking other people's thoughts all the, a lot of time yeah. or you're thinking the same thoughts as other people yeah does that make sense no yeah, it does the, the uh, coalescence of of thought like a group think almost yeah, yeah. i have a, a filmmaker friend of mine just said something to me that like kind of like blew my mind a little bit he said i think it's by design that we have to scroll up like this because if you have to turn your phone, you can see things in in visually in the <laughs> frame around mm. you and the focus becomes less insular. And I never had thought about mm. that before because when you're so focused in on other people's perspective and thoughts and you like you said, you can't open to the stars around you just frame wise from a cinematic perspective. It was just like, right. <laughs> you know, mind blown. Well, I think that's tied into with the infinite scroll, right? Yeah. Like it was like w- when we were on the internet at the beginning, it would be like click to next page. Yeah. yeah. But if, if you know, the algorithm, the, whatever it is, is set to automatically refresh, it's all one page. And you're just kind of endlessly going. Yeah, and yeah. you can't reach the bottom. You can't finish. Like yeah. you can't just be like, okay, I've, yeah. I've read all the tweets. Uh, yeah. Do something else and now. resets are so important. Just psychologically, it's like, um, which of course is what dreams, dreams are, are every yeah. night. Mm-hmm. Like every night, you go back into that kind of that state where you're sort of in the deep water instead of on the surface. Yeah. Um, I did uh, speaking of resets. I did ketamine therapy oh. like earlier this spring, and so because I I specifically wanted to do this stuff. Like it yeah. was somebody told me like they had done it and it was really valuable in clearing out the clutter uh-huh. and that's and a dissociative like, right or i think so okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you're like going into a k-hole yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but um it it reminded me of dreaming you know yeah. and, it, and it was um i was a i did it a couple times and i during one of the times i had this I don't know if vision or experience or whatever of being in deep, deep water with um, creatures sort of swimming alongside me. Mm-hmm. And and I had, you know, when I came out of it, I was like, A, that is a feeling. It, it felt like dreams that I've had. It also felt like dreams that my mom would describe to me that she had when I was oh, a kid. Oh, that's so interesting. And... It also felt to me like being in a deep flow state and feeling like I had access to interesting ideas. Yeah, and um, I mean that kind of encapsulated why I why I love the dream, like why I try and remember yeah. the dream, you know, and what the best dreams feel like. It's anyway, so, I can't remember. How no, it's no, no, but it's so interesting that you talked about like you talked about being in a state of hyper vigilance. And when I was exploring my own nightmare kind of journey, which I'm, I'm still working through, one of the things that I realized was a lot of them are like anxiety responses because for most of my life, I was in a state of hypervigilance, um, you know, just for personal things that had happened. And so it was like 
So when I moved to California, you know, about a year and a half ago, I, I took this time to really like reset myself. And I, cause I didn't want to have, it wasn't, I was not empowered by my nightmares like you were. I didn't want to have these like sweats and, mm -hmm. and then, and like be waking up and like my heart racing and feeling out of control. I wanted to have some kind of control over them. And um, I started doing like, journaling and meditation work and even so experimenting with some like psychedelic work which felt very much like dreaming and helped work through things and it was interesting that you saw things of your mother because that seems to be a theme i've noticed in people who've explored psychedelic healing in that like i i, I saw a child at me and child and, and a weird child demon on my back which was really interesting. Um, and then other people talk about, and I, I've never experienced this, but people talk about ayahuasca journeys where mm -hmm. they've like, where they, the, so many people talk about one of the first things they see is the, the mother, where it's like, no matter where you're from all over the world, no matter what your background is, people do this, this, this therapy and they see a woman reaching into the ground and off. It's mm. like this image that comes up across nations. It's just fascinating. That is really interesting. That's and it's interesting. Another thing that you said because so I I didn't see my mother. That's okay. not what it was. But I, I what I saw was a dream that was like the dream she had described me, which yeah. suggests to me a sort of like shared consciousness or a kind of shared way of looking at the world or something. Yeah. You know, it was like I, it was like I I saw something from her psychology in my psychology. Oh, wow. But in a different trip, I saw I I actually did see child me from a specific memory. And it was actually really moving because I'd gone into this uh, trip that tell you to like have an intention. And my intention had nothing to do with my parents. It was to sort of help myself focus because yeah. I have such distraction issues. And the trip had nothing to do with my intention, <laughs> I, yeah. I guess. Um, but one thing I saw really clearly was a memory of child me with a snapping turtle which was on a it was on a camping trip that i went i was with my dad i must have been like i don't know like younger than 10 for sure uh -huh. and there was this kind of dangerous snapping turtle that we encountered yeah. and my dad showed me how to like take a stick and put it near it so that it would latch onto it okay. and you know so it wouldn't bite you but i remember it was it was scary but also yeah. sort of like reassuring like my dad showed me how to do this and um i relived that experience really clearly and i don't know maybe that's a thing that happens when you do ketamine or dissociative oh my gosh i thought i thought she was running late today yeah, yeah. But, but but i think i feel her right on time always always as, as usual i can tell because it feels like all my desires have been fulfilled right i feel this warmth it. rushing all over my body it's yeah. just so wonderful you're right this is good stuff just get ready she's coming i feel her oh my goodness <gasps> Here I am! Oh my God! It's so great to be with you guys again. And Nick! It's Barbara! Oh, hey, oh my God. good to see you! How are <laughs> you? I'm good. I've got, yeah, I, I would I give know. you a big hug. It's the I know, here, but it's true. Yes. It's great to see you. <laughs> it's so great to see you. I was just so impressed listening to you talk about your dreams and nightmares and how it's infused your work. And actually what it made me think about that I didn't realize until sitting there because I was like up in the stratosphere before I came down and I was listening to what was going on. <laughs> Everything that you have in your creepy pasta stuff is very atmospheric. And I think that probably comes from your dreams too. 
it also is so definitive of Lovecraft. And I never put those two things together because Lovecraft deals in feelings and fear inside and just, you know, just stuff that's going on and bubbling around you. And I, I kind of put those two together. Are you a Lovecraft fan at all? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, of course. Am I a Lovecraft fan? Um, when I was a kid, I had all the collections, you know, those mm -hmm. like paperback, wherever they are, uh, the, the little gray, you know. Right. So I had the, I had all those beside my bed. I would read those. Mm -hmm. um, and then like the modern Lovecraft to me is Thomas Ligotti and, mm -hmm. and uh, Teatro Grotesco is like the short story collection that most kind of captured the dream horror feeling that Lovecraft had and yeah. gave me when I was a kid. And do you feel like that's infused your work too? Or do you see yourself like having the same kind of, you know, tone that Lovecraft had or, or I not? I don't think so, so much. I don't think of my stuff as Lovecraftian because that has a very specific kind of cosmic Yeah, it's feeling. cosmic horror for sure. Um, but I was definitely influenced by it. This is a state of like constant fear because in your creepypastas, I've seen like this state of constant fear and Lovecraft is in constant fear. Yeah, totally. As, so I don't know. Totally. I kind of think there's something there. I think you you, yeah. you see you see what's real. Um, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, I'm inspired to go back and write down my dreams because we talked about this before that when I was younger, I used to keep a dream journal. Do you have a dream journal? I, I used to do it and... I think maybe because of the show and after hearing what you've been talking about, I have to go back to that. But I used to be able to recall up to like eight or nine dreams in the morning when I would wake up and I would keep that by my bedside too. And I can remember writing down one or two dreams and then I'd go, oh, I, there's another dream in there. And then I write that down and I go, oh, well, there, there was that one too. And that one happened and that one came out of that one. And I'd start to remember more and more stuff. And when you were describing like, you remember something and then it peels away another memory in your dream. Like I felt like I had that too, but I've gotten away from it and I'm scrolling through mm -hmm. my day now yeah. and I'm, I'm not, I'm not hooked in the way I used to be. So I need to get back to that. No, you should do that. It's, yeah. it's the original hyperlink instead of, mm -hmm. you know, being online and just clicking from one story to the next and the go back into your dreams, go, go inward. Nobody else can click yeah. on those links. It's just you. I love it. I'm going right. to do it. Yeah, We're all going to be like hyper-focused, hyper amazing theta beings, if yeah. that's the correct term. We, yeah. you, you have your own wormhole to go down. Nobody else can go down that wormhole. So uh, okay, I'm going to work do on that. Don't let, don't let the wormhole stagnate. No, we're going to have you back on, and then we're going to talk more about dreams after. <laughs> yeah, I, you're going to give us a progress after report. We, yeah, yeah, after totally. we've all been journaling yeah. at, at the school. I think we all should do it. For like sure, the three yeah. of us should do it more often. You Let's do it. Have a podcast screen dreams. Yeah. Yeah. You got to write down your dreams. It's part of the assignment. It is. And then it we is. come back and, and report to to yeah. co to Coach Nick. We shall compare. Totally. We're yeah. gonna do compare it. Compare notes. Okay, now it's time for the Mad Lib. <laughs> okay, I have um, all the little words that I need for you to um, tell us what they are, and then we'll have the story. And I just want you to know that um, normally Catherine's been writing the Mad Libs, but I decided that I was going to write one because yeah. I. I feel like it was so much work for you. I was like, I have to do one. At no, least, or... I'm so excited that you did. Well, I don't know how well I did, but I want to tell you that I created one especially for you. It's like Thank a you. special 
for Nick and Tosca. Oh, wow. So, I'm a little nervous. Personalized yeah, Madeline. Let's do it. It has its own creepy pasta flavor. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing is the place in your house. A place in your house. Breakfast nook. Breakfast nook. Okay. And we have our little Addison stride. over there writing down all the words. Thank you, Addison. Uh, pronoun. He. He. Okay. An expletive. It's okay. Go ahead. Uh, zounds. <laughs> zounds? <laughs> That's the peachy explosion. That's like the comic book <laughs> speech Zounds. bubble. Well, all I, I was just thinking, fuck. And yeah. I was like, That's not very creative. Oh, okay. It's just not creative. Go with but, what you want. You want zounds. That's what you want. What do you want? Well, I want fuck. But... You want fuck. All right. Let's you can do say fuck. fuck. <laughs> it was, it's just the most obvious. I didn't want to be obvious. Hey, it's a classic for a reason, right? Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we return to the classic. Um, okay. I like it. A uh, room in house. Office. Office. Awesome. Okay. This is another expletive. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> A classic or new version? Uh, modern. Postmodern. Uh, <laughs> motherfucker. I love it. <laughs> going for it now. Okay. Scary character. Chucky. All right. Exotic location. Mallorca. Nice. I'd like to go there. A profession. Reindeer trainer. Reindeer, Reindeer trainer. trainer. Awesome. I like that's cool. Very sought after uh, profession. Favorite Halloween costume. Mm. Basset hound. Oh, I've seen a lot of those at Spirit Halloween. I, 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 I have a dog. You do? Well, I have a pug mask, but there is a basset hound mask. Okay. And yeah, there's, I person. like to wear animal masks. Yeah, oh. for, for Halloween. Okay. That's, that very feels very like 1920s, like the creepy masks. Well, like. it's easy, right? Okay. Like, yeah. Because then I can just wear any, you know, you wear a suit and the pug yeah. mask. And, or sweats and a pug mask. Exactly, it's, I've done it's that too. It's universal. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Gathering place in a town. Gallows? Gallows. Like the gallows. Yeah. yeah. I often old-timey gallows. I, I, I often gather at the gallows. Yeah. Okay. A form of touch. Caress? Caress. Awesome. Uh, okay. That'll be interesting for later. Um, form of death. Drowning. Ooh. Good yeah, that's one. That's a rough one. Type of bird. Owl. Mm. Wait, no. Mm. Um, horned owl. Horned owl. That's very specific. <laughs> they're they're right. in my neighborhood. Really? I think so. I mean, they look like they have horns. Is that not horn? Maybe. <laughs> there's a lot of owls. I actually read that recently, that there's many different kinds of owls. There's definitely many. I mean, yeah. yeah. Horned owl is. Uh, okay, nice. I think they're in my neighborhood. Uh, positive adjective. Positive adjective. Adjective? Adjective. Majestic. <laughs> Majestic. Awesome. Is that positive, right? Uh, yeah. Receptacle in a house. <laughs> Dumbwaiter? Does that count? Can sure. that be a receptacle? Yeah. You, yeah. you put something in it. Yeah. Yeah. Seems right. Way to kill someone. Can it be the same as the way of death? Intentional drowning. 
Okay. Does it work? First one's oh, accidental should, drowning. Should I do something else? I, maybe do something. Uh, like, wait. Like like stabbing or, you know. Stabbing with scissors. Stabbing with scissors. Okay. 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 Uh, a a period of time. Like like I think what I meant by that was um, you know, like for a week, for two weeks, or a oh, fortnight. Oh, okay, great, awesome. Great. Yeah. Good call. I love this. Okay. These are so specific. Um, <laughs> adjective. I have to remember how to pronounce adjective. Okay, adjective. we'll be right back with our Mad Lib with Nick and Tosca. <laughs> you know what's a nightmare? Dehydration. <sighs> yeah, you know what's an even worse nightmare? Plastic pollution. That's why we love Liquid Death and their evil mission to murder your thirst and kill plastic pollution. That's right. Their aluminum cans are as metal as they get. So <laughs> pick some up today because we all need something uh, refreshing to reach for when we wake up from a nightmare. It's true. Cheers. <laughs> we are back with the Mad Libs with Nick and Tosca. Right. So have you done a Mad Lib before? Not since I was nine and a half. Nine and a half. Okay, well, we're harking back to your childhood, and you were talking about your childhood earlier, so this fits right in. I'm happy to be a child again. Okay. Let's do it. I wrote this for um, you, Nick. Thank you. I've okay. not I've not read this. I have been the first sentence here right now, so okay. let's okay. do it. Okay, I'm going to start. Chime in if you guys want to. Okay. We'll be right. here for sound effects. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Okay. I know what you did last night. I saw you. You were in the breakfast nook. I saw you drag him down the stairs. That fuck had it coming. He came into my office and grabbed my computer. I had written a story and the motherfucker was trying to steal it. <gasps> what was the story about? Funny you should ask. A beautiful Chucky went to Mallorca <laughs> to try and relax. You see this being, Chucky, is actually real but needed a vacation after scaring so many reindeer trainers. They scare easily, as you know. When this Chucky dressed up as a basset hound instead because they wanted to travel incognito, they then walked through the gallows and villagers wanted to talk to the basset hound. Oh. <laughs> what did those people want from this incognito scary character dressed in that costume? Funny you should ask, in the native land of Mallorca, it is thought that if you caress a scary being, you will be able to transcend all your fears. Oh, so by caressing a scary character, a person will let go of their fears. Well, that is so cool because you're a writer, Nick, and on the page, things can be really scary. But if you touch them and experience them a bit, it takes the fear away. Huh, it's kind of like a metaphor. Yes, it was a great story if I do say so myself. I think my stories, which are then made into films or TV, especially the creepypastas, do allow people to experience fear while not letting fear hold them back. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, you're welcome. If you can, you wrote this for me? <laughs> yeah. If you can watch a character go through a scary situation or feel a fear, even if they don't survive, it has tempered you a bit to fear in general, and it won't give you a good drowning. <laughs> I see. That makes so much sense. But tell me, why were you dragging him up your stairs? You said you saw me? Oh, yes, I did. Quite clearly. Quite clearly. I saw you too. 
with a horned owl's eye view. Wait a minute. I don't feel so majestic. He was me? (gasps) You had to go, Barbara. I had no choice. I couldn't let you reveal that story to the world. I was keeping that hidden. I don't want people to experience these scary creatures or tales in real life with real horrors. I don't want people to touch them in real life. I just want to write about them and film them so people don't feel alone, scared, or lost. I don't want to tell them what I'm doing. I want to show them. Well, that's quite a story too, Nick. So I'm dead? Why did you have to kill me? Even if I told your story, it's still just a story. I was afraid since you took my computer, all my secrets (laughs) would be revealed. You were scared. Well, well, I have just the thing for that. Caress me, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) With pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Are you still scared? I'm not. I'm sorry I dragged you up the stairs. Thanks for that. How did you kill me? I don't remember. I put you in a dumbwaiter, and then I stabbed you with scissors. I may now have to haunt you for a fortnight. Please do, Barbara. Please do. That's funny, because didn't you get stabbed with a scissors in? No, it was it yeah. was like a kitchen knife in? Um, yes, by Pretzel Jack. No, yes. the scene is over. I, I, did he stab me? He did. Right. He stabbed me. I tried to shoot him. That's right. And then he stabbed me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was actually picturing it with scissors because I think he uses oh. scissors in a different yeah, scene, yeah. but no, it was the kitchen knife that mm-hmm. he got from the thing. Yeah, um, I don't know. Through osmosis, I like you know. There's something about that that. That all happened. Like you did, you did kill me. You we'll killed me twice again. now. We'll have to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Please, anytime. This had levels. Yeah. This and has, that's it. For this our scene Madlib. had levels. Yeah. This scene, beautiful. Yeah. Bravo. Thank you. Okay, it's my first Mad Lib. Thank well you. done. Thank you. Well thank done. You, thank you. I'm very flattered. That was cool. Okay. Now listen, I just have to go in a puff of smoke. So I'll see you guys later. Huh? Bye. Whoa. Oh. Always so suddenly. Never here long enough. But it's always the best part of my day. I know. Makes every every dream just a little bit warmer. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about like childhood things. What what terrifies you now? What scares me now? Um the slow decline to death, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like I, that's uh, you know well. obsolescence yeah. of of our uh, our species, I guess. I, I, I mean stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was there like something as a child that really that really got you that like a nightmare or like a Oh man, I'm glad you asked that. Um I hadn't thought about this in a while, but I I do remember I this is a weird thing. I don't think I've ever talked about this. When I was 9 or 10 years old, I think I remember this. I had a, I cuz even then I had the attitude of like and there were things that scared me and things that happened yeah. to my family that were scary and bad and whatever but i had a pretty good childhood and um and i had great parents and i remember i had this dream where i was i was killed in the dream and or it was like a version of me that was killed and like in a way of being like executed you know yeah. and, oh, wow. and, and and it was just very like 
vivid and graphic and horrible. And I remember like like vomiting as I died. It was a it was a really intense, scary thing. But what was particularly terrifying about it was that my parents had arranged it. And I I I knew this in the dream. And when I woke up, I was that my parents were gonna either kill me or do something bad to me. And the feeling lingered for about two days. Wow. And and until I kind of went to myself like, okay, it was just a dream. But I also, another reason I remember it is because like during the second day of that, I guess, I remember my parents yeah. saying to me like, what, what is with you? You're being so nice. <laughs> you're, you're being like so well behaved. <laughs> and like, there. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, if I, I'm sure if I sat down and thought about it, there'd be a couple of dreams I've had, especially as a kid, where like that stuck with me, and that like the kind of thing that like sticks to you throughout the, the day or the week after. But that, I mean, that was that was one that jumps out of me. Wow, I can't believe you were like running from his from your parents, yeah. like terrified of that. I would be the ultimate running betrayal. I was, right? I guess, you know? yeah, you're right. Parents are the ones who protect you, and then to find out that they've arranged your execution—that's yeah, totally. that's gotta hit hard, man. Totally. I mean, you do explore that in your work, though, a lot. Like, you explore these ideas of, like, the people you you can and can't trust, you know, about people being close to you that are actually trying to harm you. Like, not just in, in, in your horror work, but in other work. They, is, that, is that a fear that has unconsciously stayed with you, you know, of, of betrayal or just, like, not sure. trusting people, <laughs> you know? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's the scariest thing. And it, when you look at what makes great horror work that's it you know it's uh -huh. like the shining it's what's scary about that is your dad is supposed to protect you but he's an alcoholic and he's gonna kill you and chop you up yeah and what's scary about rosemary's baby is your husband is supposed to be there for you when you're pregnant and protect you but he sells you out to satan for his career mm -hmm. yeah. and you know just go through like the great horror movies some slasher movies aside like that's kind of what great horror is about like yeah. being betrayed or harmed by the people you love yeah so yeah. yeah we talk a lot about like what actually scares us on the show yours is obviously the inevitable death i think what we talked last uh last time about how um you know addiction is really terrifying because it's like someone who looks like you and is supposed to protect you and sounds like you um but isn't someone that you can trust or looks like someone you love, sounds like someone you love, but isn't someone that you can trust. And I think that's just like fascinating that like you explore that in in things that aren't necessarily like stereotypical genre genre stories, you know, um, without like saying any specifics. But I feel like, you know, I, I some of the characters that you've developed, I've just been so terrified of the humanity in them. Right. I mean, the the, you know, I've obviously worked on true crime stuff uh -huh. a lot too, which is to me horror adjacent. I mean, all the stuff that we've done is horror adjacent and there's obviously different considerations in telling real people's stories and t dramatizing their real lives and real traumas. Um, but what's at the heart of those stories is this kind of terror from someone close to you and the the tragedy and the 
the poignance of what happens in some you know the family or in this house or um and i yeah yeah that's uh it it every one of those stories the true crime stories that i've been involved in telling mm -hmm. feels like an ongoing nightmare because it's not about just like one murder or an investigation it's about living a kind of waking nightmare wow yeah I never thought about it like that, a waking, a waking nightmare. What's a, a more recent one, a more recent dream that you've had? A more recent dream that I've had. God, I don't know. I mean, there was the Rubik's Cube one last night. Um, I love the idea of like, oh, oh, it's already solved, but now I have to make it unsolvable. I know. Yeah, what do you think uh, was the psychosis <laughs> there? Like, what what was your subconscious? Well, I, mean, I, I think there's probably something to do with like what we what we do as you know storytelling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and um, need conflict. Yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I feel like my dreams lately have been pretty kind of like circuitous, but not. Crazy. I haven't had any like crazy nightmares for a while. I was having these dreams where I would get like locked up in prison and then I, or like lose a limb, mm -hmm. and then I would wake up and be like, "I'm free. Yeah, it's great. Does I got my limbs?" <laughs> which is um, which is nice. Do Do you have a? We've asked our guests if they have a nightlight, something yeah. that uh, keeps them feeling safe in light of all these fears that they may have, something, something that, that keeps, keeps them going. going. I, uh, my cat. Yeah? Yeah. I oh, love what that. What kind of cat? <laughs> he's, a, uh, he's a stray cat who came into our, my house, you know, I don't know, in probably 2015. Um, and he looks like a witch's cat. Um, all but black, he sleeps or... in bed with us. Oh. Yeah. What's so, his name? His name is Michelle. But like a French man. Yeah, yeah. He was he was named by the neighborhood kids in the old neighborhood where I lived, where he like lived under cars like and French kids. Yeah, they fed or... him. Um, and then because well, he's like a fluffy, pretty cat, and they uh, thought he was a girl. He's oh, um, so they, like, they misgendered the cat. <laughs> and, Poor um, guy. And then uh, you know when I started to, like take him in, I I took him to the vet, and they were like, "This cat is a boy." Yeah. Um, so was it Michelle before, and then you just I guess, made it yeah. Michelle? Michelle. Yeah. yeah. So it's Michelle Fouquet. Is oh, nice. That's great. We had uh, my my wife and I lived in a apartment building one time. It was before we had our cat, and I had never owned a cat. And there was a a black cat that like roamed around and would come into our apartment. We called him Stranger Cat, yeah. but like we loved Stranger Cat, and it led <laughs> to us getting a cat. So yeah, yeah. Now he's a happy indoor cat. Yeah. So. And and you look at his little at Michelle's little sophisticated face, and you're like, I can I can get through whatever hurdles I have today. I guess. I mean, he bite, <laughs> he, he bites us to wake us up. So oh, wow. um, that's time, you know, time to journal. Nightmare. Yeah. He tells you to journal. Yeah. He reminds you to journal. He also, I mean, you know, traditionally, like you think of um, the old wives' tale or whatever of the black cat like sleeping on people and like sucking the life out of them. Yeah. Or whatever. This cat sleeps on us, oh, and um, I'm so but, jealous. You know, it's nice. It's Do nice. you feel the the life being sucked from you? No. It's just like yeah. a warm like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's the opposite. Maybe. Oh, so, you're sucking yeah. the life from me. No, he, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a, a mutual you, you know regeneration of life force. Oh, I love that. I love that. We we could talk to you for hours, but I th I think we have to wrap it up a little bit here. So what 
where can people read more of your your writing because i know you do that what what can they watch next of yours if you if you're able to talk about it well they can't watch uh, we, we, we got the wga strike going so i can't promote any new stuff um but um i do have a horror story fiction coming out in the next issue of mcsweeney's the horror issue of mcsweeney's um i don't know when this airs but it's coming out in october 2023 Mm -hmm. um i have a short story uh called the noble rot in in that issue uh it's edited by brian evanson the great writer um there's other great stories in it from a bunch of other uh amazing horror writers from fan of and so that's that's the next thing awesome well we absolutely we're huge fans of yours we love listening to you talk about dreams we'd love to have you back on the show but until next time i'm katherine corcoran and i'm james a janice this has been scream dreams remember to keep the light on (laughs) 